Thank you so much for having me. Thank you, Anne. Thank you to Lisa. I know she's in with the kids at the back. Thank you to the PW for inviting me to be here today. And thank you for Christoph and to the rest of you for making me feel so welcome and my husband, Rob, as well. It's always lovely to get a chance to be at different churches and to see what God's doing and just to be part and know that we're part of God's body wherever we are and that we're one in him. So thank you so, so much for having me. I'll just give you a little bit of my background before I go any further. But yes, I, I'm a deaconess, just been in post about a year. It's really not something that I expected to be doing, I have to say that now, but I'm so thankful that, I'm, that God's brought me here for this time. Currently, I work in a church near Lisburn called Hill Hall Presbyterian, and I'm there for half my time, and then I also spend the rest of my time between two hospitals, Antrim and Craigavon Hospital as a chaplain. And it's a real privilege in both those situations, both in church and in hospital, to be able to come alongside people and have confidence with people in, in very difficult, often times of their lives, and also sharing the joys of life. And it's a real privilege to do that. For about eight years, I was working as an occupational therapist. That's what I trained as. I trained in that with the thought of going overseas. And I was in India for a bit of time. And it's when I was looking at going longer term to India to work that I really felt actually God nudged me in this direction. As I say, it really wasn't something that I was expecting to be in. But I think just to encourage all of you, young, old, male, female, whatever stage of life you're at, it is that amazing fact that God can take us anywhere he wants us to be. And uh, we can never say never with God. So just to know that when your heart is open, you know, God, God takes you different places. And I'm not the most confident of people at all. Uh, so you just see how God uses different giftings. Um, so yeah, never let anything hold you back if you feel that's what God's leading you to. And you just never know. But less of me, and I just want to, to bring it to God, the theme, God is able. So as we come to look at this passage together, let's pray. Let's join together in prayer. God, we thank you that it is all about you, and that you are able, and yet you also draw us into your work and your purposes through your power and your grace. And today, Lord, as we take this time, we thank you again for being able to have fellowship together. We thank you that your word is so available to us here in this country. And we ask, God, that you will just take your word and, Lord, take what I say and use it, God, for your glory. Take away anything that is not of you from the words that I speak. And, Lord, help us to hear and listen to what you have to say into our lives. Father, we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, I wonder how you are with heights. I don't know if you like heights or if you don't like them. I don't know if the thought of standing on the top of Eiffel Tower makes you feel overcome with feelings of romance or overcome with feelings of nausea because of the thought of being up so high. I do like heights, and I've actually managed to do a tandem skydive, which obviously I was with someone, so it was okay, and loved it, loved it. But I don't think I'd ever do what one man did, um, a man called Nick Wallanda, and we maybe, oh, there he is. 34-year-old man from Florida, this 
this year in June, he walked over a gorge near the Grand Canyon on a cable no more than the thickness of a tennis ball. And the walk was 1,500 feet above the ground. And maybe if you can kind of get an idea of what it was like. And that's just short of half a kilometre above ground. He was up there 22 minutes and 54 seconds to get from one side to the other. It was a quarter of a mile. He commented as he went across that the winds were sometimes unpredictable, that dust accumulated around his contact lenses and his contact lens were around like, oh my goodness, that's terrible. Not a great help when you're trying to cross over this height. Several times he had to stop and kneel down on the wire to regain his balance. That's how you regain your balance, by kneeling down and then standing up again. So what gets into this man that he would attempt such a walk? Craziness, very possibly. But I would also say there's a real degree of faith that he has in some shape or form. The Oxford Dictionary defines faith as a complete trust or confidence in someone or something. And I would say that Nick definitely had a faith in something. For one, he had faith that the cable was going to hold him. And he must have also had an element of faith in his own balance and God-given ability to do such a feat. And this is a faith that he is willing to act on. He isn't just a man who talks about it, but he actually steps out in faith. Now, I would not actively encourage anyone here to follow in his footsteps, whether it's over the Grand Canyon, whether it's over the Niagara Falls, which he has also done, wherever else he has tightroped. I wouldn't ask you to go there. But just to think, what a step of faith. And the person that we're going to focus on today, just for a short time, in this passage that we read, was read to us, thank you very much for that reading, was just a few years older than Nick, and he's a man called Caleb. And Caleb had a living faith in our living God. He was a man who definitely didn't just talk about his faith. He was willing to act on it. Even when those around him, also supposedly men and women of God, would criticize him and threaten to murder him for it. Caleb, we learn, was from the tribe of Judah, and he was chosen as one of the 12 spies to search out the land of Canaan, significantly known as the Promised Land. You know the story with Moses, the Israelites were brought out of Egypt from all that oppression and deep misery that they were in, and God said he would lead them into the land of Canaan. The land that he also describes when he instructs the spies to explore it, he describes it as the land I am giving to the Israelites, the land I am giving to the Israelites. So along with Joshua, 10 other spies, Caleb goes out and surveys the land and we're told that they saw how great this land was. The land was fertile for farming, for producing food. They also saw that the inhabitants that were living there were in quite well fortified cities. They also saw the evil practices which were in that land, uh, which God had wished to destroy. And when the spies finally returned from the land, they said this. They said, we have explored the land. We find it to be rich and fertile. And here is some of its fruit. They even brought the the first fruits, the grapes that had just come onto the trees. But, and here it comes, that but that so often can come into our language. But the people who live there are powerful 
and their cities are very large and very fortified. Even worse, we saw the descendants of giants living there. So the spies could see how good the land was that God had promised to them, but they chose instead to emphasize the problems and the barriers that they saw in the way of them taking the land. We are told, however, that Caleb silenced the people who were complaining against Moses, and he said, we should attack now and take the land. We are strong enough to conquer it. So what emboldened Caleb to take such a stand and make such a statement? And we're given the answer to this a few verses later in chapter 14. And Caleb goes on to say this. If you want to follow, please do. It says in chapter 14, verse 7 to 9, he says, The land we explored is an excellent land. And if the Lord is pleased with us, he will take us there and give us that rich and fertile land. Do not rebel against the Lord and don't be afraid of the people who live there. We will conquer them easily. The Lord is with us. He has defeated the gods who protected them, so don't be afraid. So basically, Caleb is saying, God is able. Caleb's confidence was firmly grounded in his faith in God and his faith that the Lord is able to do what he has promised to do. And there's just a few things about this man, Caleb, and I want you to know it's for men, women, it's not just obviously for the men here. We're together, men and women in Christ. But Caleb knew his God, and that's a challenge for us. Do we know God? Do we know just about God, or do we really know him, his character and his goodness, so that we're willing to trust our lives to this God because we know him? Caleb had journeyed with the rest of the Israelites out of Egypt under the nose of Pharaoh and the gods, and he'd seen how the true God of Israel had defeated the gods of Pharaoh, hands down, no contest. Caleb had also walked through the Red Sea on dry land, and he'd watched as God had closed the water over the Egyptians so that they would no longer chase the Israelites. He'd also seen God's patience with his people, when they continued to grumble and complain in the desert, even after all that God had done for them. He'd seen how God had produced water from a rock and produced food in the desert. What miracles and what patience and what a God he saw at work. Caleb had witnessed all this. Caleb remembered all this. And Caleb trusted in the God he'd seen at work with his people. He knew that the God who kept his word in the past would do it again. And just the second thing I want to think about Caleb, he was a man of God's vision and he encouraged others in that vision. Caleb had been with the other spies when they went into Canaan and he had seen all that they had seen. He too had seen the inhabitants and the fortified cities but he didn't let those supposed obstacles obscure his sight of the living Lord in the midst of it all. He didn't let it obscure his vision of what God was going to do. 
And you know, this isn't just positive thinking on Caleb's part, because we have a lot of books nowadays about how to use positive thinking and how to be positive in your ways. It wasn't just positive thinking, nor was it denial, thinking, well, we'll just chance this and see. He was exercising his faith in the living God and on the promises that the Lord had made. He let God's promises and truths fill his heart and his mind rather than the human view of his circumstances. And in so doing, Caleb, along with Joshua, swam against the rest of the current of the Israelites. These Israelites who'd also seen what God had done, they'd also walked on dry land through the Red Sea, they'd also seen the cloud of fire and the pillar of smoke uh, for God's protection in the desert. They'd also seen the manna and eaten the manna that God had produced in the desert, and yet they chose not to trust their God. Where Caleb had that attitude of thankfulness and trust, the rest of the Israelites chose instead not to recognize their protector and all that he had done for them. They instead chose to harbor bitterness against God and continue to grumble and complain. And we read, read on in that passage that rather than surrendering to the wisdom and power of God, they actually decided that they wanted to do things their own way and they were looking to actually go back to Egypt. How short their memory was of what God had brought them out of. And they were going to say, we're going to appoint a new leader. We're going to go back to Egypt because that's going to be better. And I guess the challenge for us again and again in this passage as men and women of God is how do we respond when we encounter challenges and difficulties? When we encounter painful problems in our lives, which are a reality for us all at different times. Or when we encounter obstacles that we may see to the purposes that God has been leading us towards there's maybe things that we feel God's put in our heart to do but there seems to be obstacles or maybe there's circumstances that even challenge us and we think can we go on any further with God do we consider giving up altogether it also challenges our attitude to God in these situations do we complain and grumble against God or do we surrender to him Do we trust in God's ways, which are high above our ways? Do we remember his promises in his word, which is full of his promises that he's given to us? And where do we set our vision? Do we set our vision on the problems or do we set our vision on the promise keeper? And I just say, let us choose to press into God even more in those times. I was just thinking that image, I don't know if we can get it back up, of Nick on the wire when he's crouching down. And you know, sometimes in life things are going great. And when those times we give thanks and we rejoice and we want to thank God that that's the way it's going and we don't look for problems. But sometimes there's those unpredictable winds that come. And I don't know what that maybe is for you even today. Where something's just come along, whether it's financial or health, or whether it's the questions that such a tragedies as the Philippines bring into our minds and in those moments when we are discouraged those unpredictable winds of discouragement I think that just spoke to me we press deeper into God let's crouch closer to God in those times 
let's fix ourselves to keep a hold onto God all the more. He is always keeping hold of us. Let us seek to keep hold of him. We may have those feelings of nervousness or fear in the pit of our stomach, as I just think when I see that picture above, above the height of the canyon. But let's not live by those feelings. Let us step forward in praise. And I think when we come and keep praising God in the midst of the situations, and that's not easy, and it may be quiet praise at first, it may be faltering praise, it may seem so artificial or false because we don't feel that way. But if moment by moment we can take these circumstances with praise and trust, God will keep us moving forward. And you may be even in a situation at the moment and you may feel guilty that you're complaining. And God gives us a way forward still. He just tells us to come, repent of when we complain, which may be constantly we have to do it, and just say, God, forgive me and help me to go forward. Thank you for what you are able to do. And I know as I say all of this out, I say it to myself because it's a daily thing. It is something that you can't just quick fix. It's something we constantly have to do day upon day, moment upon moment in our different circumstances. I was just thinking of a few different people that I know, I guess, in life today or in the past. And there's a young man called Nick Vojacek, and there's a picture of him. You may have heard of him. He's a young man, again, in his 30s, about the same age as Caleb. And he's a man that was born without limbs, and he's got a book called Life Without Limits. And just an inspiration. Uh, he says in his younger years, when he was at school, he, obviously he really struggled with um, being in school and just the insecurities that come from his situation and even faced suicide at a young age. And yet God brought him through. He just felt God break through into his situation. And this is what he says. He says, if God can use a man without arms and legs to be his hands and feet, then certainly he will use any willing heart. You know, what an inspiration. You know, he goes now to many different places sharing the hope of God and Christ to the people that he meets in many different countries. And we see throughout the Bible ordinary men and women who just choose to step out and praise. When you think of Mary, who was chosen by God to be the mother of Jesus, which is such an assignment she was given, what would it have meant for Mary as a young pregnant woman out of wedlock all that she was going to face, the ridicule, the shame in her society. And yet we read in Luke's gospel that Mary praises the Lord. She magnifies him when she's given that assignment. And she says, look what God has done for our generations past and what he is going to do. So the challenge is, as a church and community of God's people, can we set our hearts to continually hear what God is wanting to do in and through his church, this church, and all the churches to build his kingdom. We need to keep asking God, where does he want us to step out? We need to keep asking him for his vision and not to see the human barriers that might seem to be in the way. As we step out in faith, we allow God to show us and the world what only he can do. For nothing is impossible with God. And just finally, as we think on Caleb, 
Caleb was quick to challenge the negative reports of the spies with words of encouragement from the Lord. When we hear of someone's problems, as serious and as heartbreaking as they can truly be, do we join with them in dwelling in the problem? Or do we sensitively and compassionately, yet with confidence, remind them of the Lord and of how he is at work? And that's not easy, and I stress with sensitivity and with compassion. Do we go back to his word and speak his truth in love to one another? For he is the God of all hope, who can fill us with joy and peace as we trust in him. He is the God who is the constant source of strength and help in times of trouble. And he is the God who can meet all our needs according to the riches of the glory in Christ Jesus as we look to him and surrender to him. He is able. And it is right to share our concerns with one another. It's, it's so right to be able to have a confidant and someone we can turn to. But if we just go on speaking about these concerns in a negative way, we're not agreeing that God can actually change these things. And I just think the model of the Psalms, if you go to any Psalm, in the Psalms we see that the Psalmist can pour out his heart to God and he questions and he asks, Lord, where are you? And yet he will always in the Psalm come back to saying, I don't understand, but I'm going to praise you, Lord. I'm going to set my hope and trust in you. And as we just think on this story, finally we just think of God's grace in the midst of this situation. The story of Caleb and the Israelites reminds us of the consequences, the serious consequences of our rebellion against God. And this story should also lead us to appreciate afresh how amazing is the forgiveness and grace given to us in Jesus. Caleb and Joshua, because of their faith in God, were the only two of their generation to actually enter the promised land. We read in chapter 15 that in response to the Israelites' disobedience and their grumbling, that God was planning to destroy them immediately. But Moses stepped in and interceded for them, and God decided to forgive them. But he did rule that not one of those of the adult generation of the Israelites would enter the land except Caleb and Joshua. So the whole of the Israelite population would have to wander the desert for 40 years until a generation died, and then they would enter. Here is a solemn reminder of the righteous judgment of a holy God, that he has to enact this against rebellion in order for his perfect justice to be satisfied. Yet we who live in the time since Jesus came have his word of how God's righteous judgment instead was placed upon Jesus. Jesus, we're told, was the full representation of God the Father, his righteousness, justice, judgment, and also his grace and his forgiveness. Our disobedience and rebellious attitudes are still as serious as they were for the Israelites in the desert, yet we may now walk fully in God's nature and grace if we trust Jesus as our Lord and Saviour and make him Lord of our lives. 
God did pardon the Israelites in the desert, but they faced the earthly consequence of their pride and distrust. And there can still be earthly consequences to our disobedience today. But when we truly ask for forgiveness from Jesus and trust in what he has done for us on the cross, we no longer have to face his righteous anger and judgment, but we are restored to him for eternity. And he can restore us in all areas of life too. Our God is able. He is able to save. So Caleb was a man of faith in a great God. The same God that we worship here today. He set his vision on what God had called him to do. And on the trustworthiness of God to enable him to overcome any challenges. And so Caleb entered the promised land and his legacy of faith was carried on in the generations through his children. So I just ask you again, what are your circumstances today? And do you have that churning feeling in the pit of your stomach? Does it feel like you've just stepped out onto the tightrope that's half a kilometre up in the air? Maybe you're full of questions or full of nervousness fear or frustration. And I just encourage you and challenge you along with myself, keep moving forward in thankfulness. Keep pressing into God, crouching near to him and seek others around you who will encourage you in this as it's definitely not easy. As a church and as his people, wherever he has placed us at work or at home or in the community, let us seek to listen to him first and foremost and to fix our eyes upon him. Amen. I wonder just, I was going to um, play a song, Bless the Lord, O My Soul. I know it's probably one that's well known here, I think. Um, and we've got just um, a visual with the words, you may know, just to have a wee bit of time just in response to that. As it just as that encouragement, like the psalmist saying, Bless the Lord, O my soul, even in these different circumstances, bless him. So we'll just listen to this and then I'll announce the final hymn, if that's okay. 